0: This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank.
1: Hello, this is Marty Ostermiller, CFO of HireVue, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader podcast.
0: This is episode 350.
1: Original OTT content before Netflix was um, and that was really exciting and it was exciting to be a part of it Um, it didn't mean that I then uh, follow all of you know Glenn's philosophies on life and politics uh, and then when I left there to go work for Mike um, which is a millennial focused uh, news organization um, that reflects the views of that particular generation um, they immediately all assumed that I was this really hard right-leaning Republican because I came from Glenn Beck's world, um, and you know they were surprised to find out that I was much more agnostic about their work at Mike, just as I was about Glenn's prior. <laughs>
0: From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Dan Figgenshu, CFO of Rocket Trip. Dan built a corporate finance career inside New York's media landscape, where he became a customer of Rocket Trip, a company that cuts travel costs for businesses through incentivizing rewards. Dan was hooked. After serving as a strategic advisor to the SaaS developer, he climbed on board as Rocket Trips CFO, his journey, and more. After these words from our sponsor. Finance can easily make changes to business processes. To learn more about how a finance system from Workday supports mid-size organizations from the ground up, visit us at Workday.com. Workday, built for the future. Hello, we're speaking to Dan Feiginshu, a finance executive who's held uh, multiple finance leadership positions, quite a few in uh, media companies actually most recently serving as the senior vice president of finance at mike and now after serving as a an advisor for a number of years for a company known as rocket trip now this company specializes in cutting travel costs for businesses through incentivizing uh, rewards dan is now cfo there dan welcome
1: thanks jack happy to be here
0: well we appreciate you making the time and uh, as you might know we'd like to kick off uh, by asking our guests to take a step back in time and recall for us what they believe were the career experiences that helped prepare them for a CFO role. What would those be?
1: Sure. Uh, well, as you as you noted, I spent uh, the majority of my career actually in media, um, I, truth be told, just sort of worked my way up through the ranks. Um, you know, having started out all the way way back as a, as an intern uh, at Viacom Corporate, and then working in an operating division, and and ultimately working my way through the ranks, and um, and then and then jumped into the to the startup space uh, to lead Glenn Beck's uh, the Blaze, and to be the head of finance there, um, and then eventually moved over to to Mike, uh, which you know leans left compared to Glenn, which leads right, um, and then uh, I had been. Uh, you know the finance leader for quite some time and uh was looking for a way to cut travel and came across uh a company called rocket trip and immediately you know bought what they were selling so to speak and was a was a client of theirs when I was at the blaze and then when I moved over to mike uh loved it so much that uh bought it again as a, a second time and and uh, eventually they were looking for a cFO and and came into the role um so that's sort of the progression uh you know as far as you know, some some key items that have helped me help prepare me for this seat. Um, you know, I think one of the first ones was when I was just, you know, sort of a young kid and, you know, sort of working my way through my career, the, the very first time I got to present financials to the CEO was, was pretty monumental for me um, working for a huge media conglomerate at the time um, and, you know, going up to to the boardroom and, and sitting in front of the, the CEO was really intimidating. Um, but ultimately, what, what I found to be so interesting was how he thought about the business. The types of questions he asked were very different than what I was seeing sort of on the operating, uh, you know, division level. And so that really got me thinking differently about how we were thinking about our business. And, and you know, he was obviously looking at it. Uh, at a thirty thousand foot level, and not, and was able to clearly separate the forest from the trees. So, so that was actually pretty Im- impactful for me as sort of a young young kid. Um, and then as I sort of worked my way through my career, um, the first time then that I got to own and run and lead uh, an actual budgeting process was one that. Um, was it was a huge milestone for me. Um, I, I didn't always like the way that my, you know, my boss was sort of running the process. And so when I got to fill that seat and be the finance leader that was in charge of not just sort of operationally how we were going to check all the boxes and, and make sure we were building a you know, P&L cash flow balance, balance sheet, et cetera, et cetera, but actually how we thought about putting together the pieces of it and actually how we thought about how all the different divisions interacted with each other um, and how that would have a financial impact on the business and how we thought forward about what the next uh, 12 15 18 months would be um, that was that was really a big a, a big moment for me to sort of have take the reins for the first time um, You know, and then another one which was really important for me was once I moved into the startup space and being part of a capital raise process for the first time and seeing how outside investors and potential outside investors looked at our business, and not just from a, uh, you know, perspective of whether or not they were going to get an ROI on it, but, um, you know, looking under the hood for the first time and and poking holes and asking questions about uh, and challenging our theses, right? So that was... Really, the, the first time I, I saw an outsider really sort of look at our business, and I found uh, that to be really helpful and really uh, informative, again, about how I thought about putting together a business, putting together a team, and, and, and building a company.
0: Now, I think it would be easy for someone to have identified you as a, as a media finance leader or a media CFO. That is until a rocket trip what, where you're really entering a whole new realm.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's true. I spent the first 20 years of my career uh, in media, and it was, you know, what I first set out to do was to be a, a media finance executive and um, and built my career that way. Uh, ultimately, though, I started advising Rocket Trip as uh, a client of theirs because, again, I thought the product was really interesting uh, and really different. Um And the more I got to know about the company, the leadership team here, what they were building, how they were thinking about change behavior and incentivize change behavior, I found it to be fascinating and totally different than – uh, you know, what I had been doing in media. And so again, when the, when the opportunity sort of presented itself, I thought, well, this is, this is scary. This is sort of like a big, scary risk. Um, I've always sort of done the next logical progress, you know, progressive thing in my, in my career, um, step-by-step. This would be an interesting new challenge, um, to, to learn an entirely new industry, to learn the travel space and, you know, be outside of the media space. Um, but I think what, I think sort of the, the through line, though, was that it was a company that I really believed in, and I believed in what um, they were doing and they were building. And so that made it worth sort of taking that risk and taking that challenge. And I also thought that it was a company where I could be helpful because um, I had the unique position of being a former client uh, and now being the finance leader and being able to provide that sort of strategic perspective I thought was interesting. Um, but yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, Jack. Which is, I've spent the the first two decades of my career always in media, in in book publishing, to you know, news and uh, TV, and and now you know, totally flipped, and am uh, working in the travel space.
0: I'm wondering about something that I I think might be worth touching on with you, uh, since your career path as a finance leader um, is dotted with media companies. Um, But not just media companies, I would say media with with strong opinions, uh, let's say. And uh, here's where being a finance leader, I I imagine, can you can be put to the test. Because, well, we've been told that finance leaders speak a universal language. That is, uh, of course, the language of numbers and finance. And, and that, in some ways, they're, they're quite agnostic when it comes to adopting points of view. Because, after all, it's about the numbers. It's about performance. Um, at the same time, uh, given the roles you played, I have to believe that, that people have kicked uh, your tires at times. And you'd find yourself explaining, well, actually, I'm a finance person. And, uh, you know, is this the, the type of situation you can relate to
1: jack you're right on it it's it's a great question and one that i would get asked all the time right which was you're exactly right i don't have to and and this goes by the way not just in news working for you know the blaze with glenn beck or working for mike but it even predated working in, in book publishing i saw which was um i don't have to um necessarily be a subscriber to the um the politics of exactly the content we're creating uh, or in the case of book publishing, um, I didn't, I did not necessarily have to be a fan of every single book we were putting out. I had to look at it truly agnostically. Um, folks that worked in sales or editorial or marketing, um, they fall in love with what they're, what they're creating and they should, um, you know, these are you know, really creative, thoughtful people that, that really want this product to succeed. Um, but me, I have to look at it, independently of that i have to look at if this is working or not working um if we should dedicate more resources to it or not um or or should we you know sort of uh cut bait on this particular project um so i have to look at it you know agnostically and so when i went to work for uh, Glenn Beck it was a really great opportunity. It was a company that was doing something really innovative and different that no one else had done. We were creating original OTT content before Netflix was. Um, and that was really exciting and it was exciting to be a part of it. Um, it didn't mean that I then uh, follow all of you know, Glenn's philosophies on life and politics. Uh, and then when I left there to go work for Mike, um, which is a you know, millennial focused uh, news organization, um, that reflects the views of that particular generation um, they immediately all assumed that I was this really hard right-leaning Republican because I came from Glenn Beck's world um, and you know they were surprised to find out that I was much more agnostic about their work at Mike at just as I was about Glenn's prior um, so yeah it's, I think it's actually a really important part of the job you still have to believe in the mission of what the company's doing and what they're trying to build uh, and the product um uh, But nonetheless, you have to be able to look at it with a critical eye of whether or not something's succeeding, whether something can be changed or tweaked, or whether something's failing. Uh, And that's sometimes hard to do if you're a believer, you know, truly like a believer. And I say that sort of bold and underlined, um, as opposed to someone that can look at it from a really, um, you know, agnostic perspective.
0: Okay, so it would be interesting to ask the question— um regarding this chapter which is really a well it's a change chapter for your career you're entering this new realm what is the kind of job uh, the CFO role that you wanted to create for yourself
1: you know look, the i wanted to to create a finance function that could that could help rocket trip accelerate its growth um You know, and that's partially tactical, right? Having timely and accurate financial reporting and impactful KPIs to measure success and determine opportunities, and in a startup space, those things are important to get right. Um, But. But more interestingly, I wanted to be a strategic partner, you know, and and again, having been a former client of Rocket Trip, I felt like I had a unique perspective on the product and the value it can bring to organizations. So I wanted to be uh, and and I want to continue to be sort of the consigliere uh, to the CEO, you know, the the person that can help him think through strategic decisions, um, the impact that uh, this product can have on corporations and the culture in corporations. Um, And not just for the CEO office, right, but for other executive leadership and all all the various teams. So, uh, you know, the thing that I like about finance, and I'm sure is probably true of, you know, a lot of the guests that you have on, Jack, is that I love that this seat interacts with almost every other department. Right. Um, You know, we don't just talk to finance and accounting people, but we get to work with marketing and product and engineering and sales and every other group. And so I want to make sure that this is a role that I'm filling that is strategically helpful to all of those various departments. And and that's what I find interesting and challenging about this particular role.
0: Okay. so um, when you first arrived there, did you reorganize finance? Was there a key hire that you made? What uh, what exactly needed to be uh, put in place?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, having worked in the startup space now for the better part of a decade, uh, you know, generally when I come into these organizations, I'm the first finance hire. um, And so I'm charged with building a finance or accounting team. Um, And and often that means that uh, I get to set the agenda and the priorities from the beginning. Um, You know, it also often. Also often means that every rock I look under is kind of a mess that I have to clean up and I have to sort of set those priorities. Um, but in you know in this particular case, rocketship was a little bit different um, because they had a few accounting heads already in place. Um, they had an interim CFO before I had started. so you know the task of getting the trains to run on time had largely been taken care of. So now it is about getting the team to be high performers and helping create drive. Uh, you know, helping helping drive change within the organization. Um, you know, I'm t- I only started here just you know, a few weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, so really getting my handle on and evaluating exactly the team that I have, uh, where the places are that I think they can grow and their opportunities, as well as the places that I know I need, to you know, key hires and, and holes that i got to plug. Um, generally, when I'm starting finance – teams from scratch, I know exactly sort of how I want to build them, right? I know exactly the pieces that need to be in place. And, and that starts with having a strong accounting lead that can help make sure that we have, you know, accurate financials to build off of, um, and then can start building the FP&A function after the accounting function is really strongly in place. You know, here that's sort of already been done, um, you know, so I, I don't feel the the need to try and immediately put my stamp on exactly what they're doing and and sort of bigfoot them. Uh, Instead, I want to make sure that I get this team moving in the right direction and, and, and being high performers so we can really be impactful.
0: So tell us something about Rocket Trip now, and what exactly is the competitive edge that these offerings will have in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Rocket Trip's unique because we don't compete with any other existing roles within the travel industry, right? So we don't replace the travel management companies or the online booking tool uh, or expense management systems or even the, you know, the GDS is the global distribution systems. So, you know, Rocket Trip sits on top of a company's existing travel stack uh, and applies elements of behavioral economics to influence traveler behavior. In order to save organizations money, so. What we've seen with other companies within the competitive landscape is that most are operating under a different business model. So companies like Upside uh, are selling directly to consumers and travelers um, by, offering, by offering travel packages. And then other companies like TripActions and Travel Bank, they require you to book and manage expenses through their platform in order for travelers to earn rewards or receive discounted travel. So, so they're trying to replace the concurs of the world, um, which we think is a Hugely uphill battle. So, Concur instead—I um, mean, Rocket Trip instead—is is the only incentivized behavioral change platform that works in this sort of larger enterprise space. Um, so, we're not looking to sort of disrupt the the big guys that have been around forever. We just really sit on top of all of that.
0: Now, what are what are the uh, metrics that you're watching closely now? I would imagine cash. I would imagine yeah,
1: yep. uh, always cash. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, have you raised money or what's the uh, uh, path you're taking.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Rockstrip has raised, uh, series B, uh, and we'll be going out to market, you know, relatively soon for our, for our series C. Uh, you know, the things that I look at closely, obviously, are cash and, and, and every business, I think, looks at that carefully and especially startups, um, that are in between their series B and series C. Um, But, you know, the other thing that's really important, obviously, for a startup and and a building business is looking at new business revenue, right? So uh, one of the most important metrics we use to track company performance is new net revenue and looking at new clients uh, that are coming on board. That's, of course, essential to a high-growth company like ours. Um, But what's more important to me is actually the uh, expansion of existing accounts. So we see ourselves not only as a product that produces you know, significant and great savings for organizations, but as a strategic partner for managed travel programs. So we work with our clients to help them optimize their travel programs and evolve to fit their growing needs. And so the key sign that that's working, you know, the validation for us, uh, is when they expand the program. So not just launching, you know, initially they may launch with just a division or a small group. Um, but then after continuing to expand to eventually capture their entire travel, all of their travel spend, all of their travelers, um, that shows us that the platform is really delivering on its promise. And so to me, that's the most important part. Um, of course, we want new business coming in, but when I when I look at account expansions, that's really significant. Um, and then the last piece is, of course, looking at net retention, right, which is the difference between churn, uh, you know, the, co- the companies that are churning, which is, of course, inevitable, and then those that are expanding. And, you know, hopefully there's far more expansions than there are those that are churning. And so always want to make sure that that net retention is a positive number and looking at that closely, um, because really the account expansion and the net retention are good indicators that what we're doing is working um, and what we're doing either can or can't be uh, tweaked. So that's, that's you know, to us really helpful. Now, is
0: the uh, uh, client portfolio, is it made up of both uh, large enterprise and, and middle market customers, or is there a target? Or
1: Yeah, so our – you know, our target uh, has continued to, to shift and evolve as, as the company has too. You know, right now we look at companies that have typically uh, at least five million dollars a year in travel spend, so that tends to be large enterprise companies, um, and so those are the types of companies that RocketTrip really fits well with. Um, they're already on a travel managed you know platform via uh, you know Concur with say, American Express, Gold Business Traveler, and the, sort of the back-end powering that. Um, and so we then – and they've set up policies, right? And they've set up specific policies and budgets and guidelines. But um, travelers still have a lot of opportunity to make choices within those uh, those policies. And, you know, the companies that have set these policies and the, the programs they've put in place get you know, all the way to the one-yard line. But ultimately, that last yard of spend is – what decisions the employees are making. So what we do then is incentivize them to make smart decisions, make wise decisions, um, to make decisions that align their interests with the company's interests. Um and so that works really well in sort of the large enterprise space. It works it works well in the in the smaller space too. And look when I worked for for Mike and for the Blaze, we certainly weren't a large enterprise and and I saw Firsthand that it worked well, um, but our focus right now is really on the the larger organizations that have you know five million or so in, in travel spent per year.
0: Now, is this uh, is this a cloud application?
1: Yeah, it is. So um, it is a, it is an application that uh, we have an extension that would work. Let's say let's pick on Concur for the moment um, that allows users to just go into their regular Concur login instance, uh, put in their travel itinerary, uh, and in It's integrated directly with Concur in a way that when you get your travel uh, itinerary pulled up from Concur, it also generates a budget for you. And if you're able to beat that budget for every dollar you you save the company, uh, it's split 50-50 with you. And so you get 50% of that in rewards. And so it integrates directly with Concur, where you see all of your different flight choices. We show you directly how many rocket trip reward points you can earn, uh, depending on the itinerary, right? And so when you see them then aligned right next to each other, it it, it tends to drive behavior towards the place where you're going to be better rewarded. Um, And so that may be a flight that's a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, It may be a a connecting flight. It may be coach instead of business. You know, there's those kinds of choices that employees uh, can make that stay within policy, um, but allow them to save the company money and, and earn rewards themselves.
0: Now, I mentioned that uh, you know it, it would be easy to characterize you as a media CFO pre-rocket uh, trip. Uh, but what might be more significant to say is that This is now your first CFO tour of duty inside the uh, SaaS realm or software as a service realm, entangling with the uh, uh, subscription model. You know, it
1: really is. Pretty much my first experience within the SaaS model. One thing that's a little bit similar, although not exactly the same, was um, you know, when I worked at the Blaze, we did have a subscription product. Now, granted, it was consumer-facing subscription product, which was um, an OTT business, um, an over-the-top business, which allowed folks to pay $10 a month to get our uh, video content uh, on their Roku or their Apple devices or to watch directly on their computer. Um, and and so at a consumer model at $10 a month, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Obviously, that's very different than what we're selling here at Rocket Trip, which the price point is obviously much higher and the number of clients are far less, and we're selling directly to businesses instead of to consumers. So um, some of the, the metrics we look at are similar in terms of lifetime value, in terms of CAC, um, you know, looking at churn, all of that kind of... The measurement KPIs are, are similar, uh, but the, the nature of the business is totally different.
0: Now, I, I'm just wondering because we do speak to quite a few uh, finance leaders in the SaaS realm today, and they often tell us how uh, sort of energizing it is because they're they're beginning to be able to measure things that perhaps other models are not able to. And I'm wondering if there was any allure uh, for you. Uh, like five years ago, did you say, "Wow, I'd, I'd love to be in the SaaS realm." It looks like there's some interesting metrics that are being developed, and and lots happening there. Was it anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think so. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting metrics that are being developed, but also I liked sort of the nature of the business, right? Which is working in media. Um, our clients were not necessarily those that were consuming the product. Right? So we would sell to advertisers, but advertisers weren't the ones that were looking at our content. That instead was our, our readers, our viewers, our users. Right? So there was always a disconnect between who was, uh, you know, who was sending us money, whose checks we were cashing, and who we were creating content for. And so I like in a SaaS business um, that our customers are also the ones using the platform. Right, uh, and then I also like the sort of the recurring nature of it. Whereas, in in in, the, in advertising-supported business, you really feel like, gosh, you got to close um, these these clients constantly. Um, you may have won a big campaign with uh, GE or uh, Ford or anyone else in between, but you have to win it again with them the next quarter and again with them the next quarter, um, it's regardless of how well you performed. I like the idea in a SaaS business that. Um, You sell to the client effectively once, and now it's about proving that you've got a good business and got a business that drives value for them. Um, And I feel like we can do that all day, every day, um, is drive value for them rather than have to try and resell constantly. Um, Of course, we want to deliver value. Like I said earlier, we want to make sure that we're expanding and and that we're showing them that this not only works for this one particular group, but could work wide in your entire organization. Um, and of course, we have to continue to, to innovate and deliver the product. Um, but I like the fact that we don't have to continue to try and uh, sell to them 100 times a year. We just have to do it sort of once and then just prove it 100 times a year.
0: want to ask if you have a finance strategic moment for us that you might have experienced during the course of your career. And again, what we're looking for here is that as a, as a finance leader, you were able to look into the numbers and see something within the organization, given your lines of sight? And what would you share with us?
1: Yeah, Jack, when I uh, was working at, at Random House uh, back in my book publishing days, um, when I started there, eBooks made up less than one-tenth of one percent of sales. Uh, and over the course of the time I was there, the Kindle and the iPad were released. Uh, and by the time I left Random House, it was something like 70 percent of fiction, 50% of nonfiction were e-books, right? So in a a dramatic change and shift in the publishing industry. And for the first time in publishing history, since the printing press had been invented, we could change the price of a book uh, without having to wait until inventory was running low and we had to reprint. Um, So we could now have a different price of the book on Monday versus Tuesday versus Wednesday. Uh, And so we had to decide how we were going to do that, what would be best practices around that. so we actually formed uh, an e-book pricing committee, which I was excited to be a part of, and, and look into exactly how we would do that. What kind of uh, ways we, would we price the first book in a series differently than the rest, and really sort of dig into the um, to the data uh, and and how that would then impact the course that we were going to set for the next several years. Um, and so it was a really exciting time, an exciting you know uh, time in the, in the publishing industry, and I was excited to be a part of it. Um, but what, at the same time, what it also taught me was that uh, I didn't necessarily want to work in huge, large uh, organizations uh, for my entire career because the downside of that was you know we worked on it uh, over the course of several weeks. I think it was like 12 weeks, and then we went in front of the CEO and made our recommendations, and then that was implemented over the course of several more weeks. Uh, and as soon as I started working in a startup space, um, I realized how quickly we were able to make and implement decisions. Uh, I like to say that we'll come up with idea at breakfast we'll figure it out by lunch and by dinner it's live uh and then the next day if it doesn't work we'll try it all over again with something different Um, and so i like the uh, i I like the ability in startup culture to be able to impact change quickly and directly um, and not have to feel like you're moving at this glacier like pace um where you're slowly making changes over the courses of you know quarter by quarter rather than, you know, day by day or week by week. So um, it it was a really interesting thing, and it was interesting to learn about uh, in in the eBig side and and to have a a big, impactful uh, opportunity on the entire company and really in in much of the industry. Uh, But it really did teach me the lesson of it's it's not always that fun working in huge companies that are just so heavy.
0: Okay, it's it's time for us to enter our mentoring round, where we get to ask you several quick questions intended to uh, inform uh, your finance leader peers as well as uh, inspire aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today?
1: Yeah, I mean the thing that that excites me about finance and business today is. Uh, it's, it's actually the, the millennial generation. Um, one that I was uh, able to be part of uh, working at Mike, one that is a leader in that space. Um, and, and this generation in particular, I think it gets a lot of bad rap uh, with uh, a lot of news organizations and media organizations that write about them entering the workforce and them being leaders in the workforce. Um, but I actually find them to be, really some, have some of the best qualities of what you would want in employees. Folks that speak up, that look for transparency, that are willing um, to to advocate for things that they believe in, um, that don't hold back, and that are honest and open. Um, you know, those are the kinds of qualities that I think we all look for in both leaders as well as in uh, individual contributors and employees. Um, and they're also far more educated than the prior workforces had been. So they're also really smart and thoughtful. Uh, so, I, you know, I find this particular uh, Uh, generation that's really entering leadership positions for the first time, I actually find them really inspiring. Um, I like, you know, I'm just above uh, the millennial age just slightly. Um, And so I really like that they, they push me and push me really pretty hard. Uh, And so I find that really exciting about the space in general.
0: So what would be that one piece of advice that uh, you wish someone had uh, offered to you as you entered a, a finance leadership role?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a a finance leader now for, you know, the head of finance for organizations for almost 10 years. And the thing that I wish someone had had said to me um, was if there's time, if you've you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean, Uh, which was something that my boss had said to me a long time ago when I worked in a restaurant, which was if it was quiet in the restaurant and it seemed like there wasn't going to be much to do, he would always give you something to do, something to clean. You always had to stay busy. Um, And I find that to be true, actually, in this position as well, which is there's definitely busy busy times, times when we've got millions of things going on from year-end to budgeting season to audits and sort of everything else in between. But but it's during those quieter times of the year, the times that are a little bit slower, that there's actual real opportunity to focus a team, to to make sure you have your processes in place, and to actually drive real change and innovation. Um, And so there shouldn't ever be times that are quiet. Um, It should always be Busy and exciting, and lots of uh, lots of things to do, Um, and so setting sort of that mentality um, is really helpful. I mean, it it also helps with me in particular that I don't really have any hobbies. I don't I don't golf. I don't play tennis. I don't knit. So I like to work, uh, and and so I I actually enjoy it. And so I I don't mind having no real slow spirit periods. Um, But I wish someone had kind of helped direct me in, in that and saying, hey, look, as soon as one thing is done, that's a big huge project that's That's taking up a lot of time on your plate. As soon as you've sort of cleared the decks, start to immediately fill it with other important things that you can dig into uh, because that's actually where you'll have real impact on your business.
0: Way back when, when you first entered the workforce, were you thinking, I want to be a CFO? I'm not certain that's the case. It looks like you explored uh, many areas of business and grew
1: well, look, I I knew that I wasn't going to be a six eight shooting guard for the Knicks, right? So, I knew that I had to to lean into uh, the things that interest me, the things that I was that I thought I was good at. Um, but I don't know that I would have said that there's going to be this career that gets to a CFO position at some point in time. Um, I think toward the later few years of my most recent few years of my career, that definitely was a goal and a place that I wanted to get to. But you're exactly right. I've worked in business operation-type roles. Um, you know, I've, I've held a lot of different financial or business or operational seats in organizations. Um, and I think that's actually really important. Um, if you just sort of come from the very linear background of accounting to directly working in a controller kind of role and ultimately end up in a CFO role. um, Sometimes your view, and not everyone, but sometimes your view can be fairly narrow. I think you, you need to have a good look at all of the different segments of the business and 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 live in those worlds uh, for quite some time. So not just in a corporate setting, not as an outside uh, consultant or someone that works in banking, but, but actually work in operating uh, divisions uh, and living and breathing what that looks like. Um, and that becomes really, really valuable then when you're in the senior most financial leadership position in an organization where you understand how all of the pieces came together underneath you and how all of the different departments interact uh, and actually understand the structure struggles and the challenges and the opportunities that each of them face. Um, so I found that actually to be really valuable. And, and, no, I don't know that I necessarily, when I graduated college, thought someday I'm going to be a, grow up to be a CFO. Uh, I don't know that necessarily that was my thought.
0: Okay. Um, you might have already touched on this, uh, but I'm going to ask it. What's your uh, a personal habit that you believe may have contributed to your professional success?
1: Well, for one thing, I ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, I'm not someone that's embarrassed to, to ask. And and certainly, as we touched on, I worked in media for a long time and now I'm in a new, new industry. So I have to ask a lot of questions. And and, I, and I'm not ashamed to ask it. I, I, f- I find that it's important to have this kind of constant state of discovery and to be humble when you ask it. Um, and so that's you know one of the things that I think has been important for me to, to continue to learn and evolve over the years. And then the other one is that I, I find that I'm a good teacher. Uh, I might have missed my calling in life, actually. Um, you know, I spent the majority of the time that I spend is not with finance folks, so I have to help them understand the impact that they have on the uh, with the decisions that they make. Um, and so, a lot of times, that means articulating in non-financial ways uh, what that what that means, what their financial impact can be. And so, it's important to be a good teacher, a good instructor, someone that's patient with folks and can help them along, um, but not be in any way sort of condescending. Um, but have them see that it's sort of a peer helping them um, or someone who's been through it before that can sort of help guide them. And so, um, you know, being a good teacher, I think, is one of my sort of secret skills um, that I think has helped me in my career.
0: Thought Leader listeners, we're going to be asking Dan for his finance leader priorities for the next 12 months. And I'm going to ask him what's kept him in the greater New York city region and when it comes to job opportunities what is it that he's looking for those three questions after these words from our sponsor for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. I'm curious where uh, you might be in five or 10 years from now and uh, whether it's uh, you're in the SaaS realm perhaps, you're, what is it that's drawing you forward? What Interests you about a, a job opportunity today?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, look, five years from now, I hope to still be here at Rocket Trip, and I hope that we're, we've built something really significant. But, um, you know, your broader question is an interesting one. I, th- I think the thing that I have found that draws me toward a particular role or a particular job is the type of folks that I get to work with. I like working with creative, innovative people. And so for a long time, I found that. Creative uh, itch was working in media, uh, and now I found it in this particular SaaS company that's doing something different, doing something that folks haven't done before, in um, and, and, and driving behavioral change. That, you know, for now we're ta- we're tackling driving behavioral change specifically in the travel space, but um, the opportunity certainly exists to to be beyond that. Um, and so that's sort of what led me to it more so than just saying, hey, I definitely want to work for a SaaS company and be there the rest of my career. Um, but it's interesting to sort of work in the New York uh, media and tech space. Um, you know, the past couple companies that I've worked for have been very tech-focused. Um, and so that's really what's, what's more interesting to me, um, and having that sort of diversity of being a – uh, consumer subscription supporting business and advertising supported business now a you know a true SaaS company. You know looking at all of those different revenue. Uh, sources and possibilities that a company can have—that's what keeps it interesting to me. So, will I stay in SaaS now for forever? Probably not, um, but but certainly possibly for a while. Um, you know, I hope to find some other you know new thing someday to to keep me interested. Like I, like I said, I like to ask a lot of questions because I'm just sort of naturally curious. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I like finding sort of different opportunities. So that's sort of how I ended up here.
0: Were you uh, – have you turned down opportunities that would have led you away from the New York area? Was there a, criteria, a reason why you've you built your career here for the last uh, uh, more than a decade?
1: Um, yeah, there have been other opportunities. I mean I think when I was focused specifically on media, media is really in two places, which is New York and L.A. for the majority of uh, of the top companies. So uh, it was just sort of natural to build my career in, in the New York area as a result of that. Um, with regards to now being in the SaaS space, it actually has opened up the door to a lot of other areas of the country and other markets that potentially there could be job opportunities in the future or companies that I find interesting that I'd want to go help. Um, but, you know, for now, my, my career obviously is completely focused on rocket trip and making rocket trip. terrific.
0: Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months?
1: Well, uh, my priorities over the next 12 months are, first of all, continuing to make sure that we are properly measuring and then ultimately driving uh, value for our customers, making sure that they are seeing the behavior change um, that we believe Rocket Trip can really leverage for them, uh, making sure that they're seeing the dollar savings and the, the behavioral change. Uh, you know, By incentivizing people to, to make different choices, Um, ones that otherwise would not be in their own self-interest but instead for by doing that by receiving a reward um, that's you know a huge paradigm shift in the way people think about spending other people's money right spending their company's money not their own Uh, and it's why Corporate travel uh, is on average so much more expensive than personal travel because people are, are smart and frugal with their own money but not with others. So one of the things that's really important for me over the next 12 months is to continue to make sure that we are driving that type of behavioral change for, for uh, our clients and, and future clients. You know, then more specifically and more granularly, uh, there's a lot of work that we have to do in-house. And, and so, you know, make sure that, that we have our own uh, organization really humming uh, internally uh, with regards to the teams that we have pl- in place, the communication among the teams, um, that we have really high performers that are in place, that they can succeed, and that, that we've created a culture and an environment where they can do their absolute best work. Um, those things are also really important to me uh, to make sure that we're getting the most out of our folks uh, and that they're getting the most out of out of their opportunity at rocket trip so that's how that's what i'm thinking about for the next 12 months
0: dan Figinchu, thank you for joining us on cfo thought leader thanks jack